0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
2: So we've spoken before on this program about the importance of being a great kids coach. But the reality is most of the time coaches are parents, maybe an older sibling or a teenager who throws up their hand And then all of a sudden has that sinking feeling of, well, I've bought the whistle, now what? And as fun and as rewarding as this role can be, being a coach is actually a role of responsibility and very quickly it can become overwhelming and daunting. So where do you get help, ideas, resources, maybe advice? And most of the time that's coming from overseas. But that is until now. The Australian Sports Commission understands the importance of community and grassroots sport. And as the CEO, our very own Kieran Perkins, said on this program late last year, they understand the importance of grassroots.
3: What's really the most important part has got to be the front of the mind. And while we love elite sport in this country and we need to continue to support elite sport, um, the reality is is that the community and the vast majority of Australians, at exponentially high proportions, um, uh, are affected by what goes on um, at the at the grassroots level, and that's where our focus should be.
2: And they've actually launched a mini series of courses that are there to help—a step by step guide on how to learn to create the best possible sporting environment. And they're creating a shift from delivering sport to people to coaching people in sport. So today, the Australian Sports Commission is going to be joining you and we're going to learn about this resource and how it can help you. But did you have a great coach growing up, no matter what sport you played? And what was it about that coach? What do you remember? Was it how they motivated you? How they made you feel good? What made them a great coach?
1: On the ABC Listen
2: app, your smart speaker and on AM radio.
1: This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
2: Good morning, Rochelle Hunt here with you and in the studio this morning, Sarah Lowe, the CEO of Softball Australia and Lauren Borden from ABC Sport. Ladies, we'll be speaking to Cameron Trudell in just a moment, who's the coaching and officiating director of the Australian Sports Commission about the resources that they've got to help us be a great coach. Sarah Lowe, growing up, you played... I've learned every week, right? (laughs) Last week, I learned that you played tempin' bowls. Today, I'm learning that you fish and that you play golf... Has
4: there been a coach growing up that sticks in your mind? There is. It was actually my, my high school uh, PE teacher, Miss Farrell, Miss Rosalind Farrell, uh, shout out to you today if you're listening, uh, out at Calwatha High School out in the southeast. east and, and I always remember um, it, it was just having that female role model in the 80s, you know, because all the PE teachers were men, and which was perfectly fine, but I think seeing a female role model and all I ever wanted to be from that day was a PE teacher after meeting her and she from year seven right through to year um you know year 12 she was just so encouraging and she really saw something in me with my um I suppose my love for for sport and she loves sport and I've reflected on this a fair bit because I think in in those days you know there was still PE teachers and the program for PE teachers was quite uh, a good program So that that love and passion. And I still remember the, you know, those types of pants. I used to wear those really cool (laughs) athletic pants and the T-shirt. I thought she was like the coolest person. She just resonated sport and love and fitness and health and and really just made it a very um, safe environment, very caring, very encouraging. It didn't matter what skill level you were. But um, she gave me a lot of confidence to keep uh, playing sport and actually working in sport. That's incredible. And the role of PE teachers actually is one that I hadn't thought about until then.
2: I was terrified of PE because... If you weren't the best, you were made to feel really crappy really quickly. And we'd always do this thing. I'd forgotten about this until now. Sort of some <laughs> memories. Just some childhood trauma was going to be released. But it was called the gate run, right? And you'd have to run. We were in a big old country school. So you'd have to just run to the gate and back and gate and back and gate and back until. And I was always last and I was terrible. And making PE more than something that's a punishment, that's what it felt like. I think is incredible. Lauren, is there a. a a coach that you remember?
5: Oh, absolutely. It was going back to under-11s, under-12s netball, and it was Nigel Maloney. So he now coaches at a fairly high level. But I just remember back in those days, he basically treated us like we were athletes. We took it seriously, and I liked that. I liked being treated like um, we, we were there to win, but he was teaching us a lot of skills and tactical mm-hmm. things. And rather than just, I don't know, learning a base level, I remember going and doing some things where we really but we really worked together as a team I don't know it really helped our teamwork and I think of some of the lessons that he taught us along those days where we were top of the ladder we were playing the bottom of the ladder and we came in with that attitude of oh wow we'll just smash them no worries at all we won by two goals and I still remember him pulling us aside and saying don't you ever have that attitude again you know you treat your opponents with respect and to this day I still think about if I've had teammates who don't take something seriously I think back to that time and go no no like you know, just because they're somewhere on the ladder doesn't mean we're any better than them. So I think it's things that have stuck with me 15 years later. And was he a, a former player,
2: um, one of the other team members' dads? I mean, I find it interesting where and how someone becomes the coach as well.
5: He was, so it was a netball club associated with our primary school. So he was a teacher at the school, which I guess goes to show how many teachers we see becoming coaches and why they're so good at it. Because we have people of varying abilities. Um, he was coaching two teams at the time, but he was able to bring us all together and we all respected him and loved playing under him so it probably goes to show those links between teachers becoming coaches as well. Sarah Lowe as someone who
2: is now the CEO of Softball Australia previously you know you were the CEO of the South Metro Junior Footy League you had a lot of coaches beneath you there around a thousand coaches how do you I mean, I guess it's almost impossible to manage that many coaches, but would you see ones that would rise and bubble to the top and then would you see issues, problematic techniques oh
4: yeah mm. <laughs> no it was yeah being the biggest football league at the time you know you've got uh, we had over a thousand coaches and the ability to work with the the governing sport in afl it's really important i'm really interested in speaking with cameron because the way aussport have invested into these resources is very very important to to help coaches young or old or new Um, and we had the same thing we had the AFL with their coach AFL program I've talked about it before it's a very good program it's important for the governing body to actually have these resources because how do we get these coaches together so we used to have the you know annually a coach seminar at the start of the year and at mid-year very very important to set the tone because again they're volunteers they do this Uh, you know week in week out it's like 15 plus weeks of being a coach and all that pre-season before then so it, it is hard to coordinate and herd all the sheep together but the key thing for us it was always about the kids yeah it's a good philosophy make it safe make it fun uh, that that's the key focus. Today we're going to also pull apart
2: why it seems that it's often the dads that put up their hand to coach. Again, nothing against... I've got a dad in my household that is currently the coach of my daughter's club and I couldn't be more proud. But how do we get more women. And how do we get teens? How do we get the younger people coaching, but also getting the respect that they deserve as well? Pete's in Sunset Strip. G'day, Pete.
3: G'day. How are you going?
2: Really well. What did you want to say?
3: Well, I was going to say that my um, greatest coach was my father. And um, I remember as a young kid, it was never about winning. It was always about participation and it was always about learning the skills. And so by having the skills you were able to then, as you progressed um, through your career, um, then they came to, the chickens came home to roost because you had the good skills. And then where I was playing um, a high level of amateur football in Melbourne. And then you slot into the team environment and you play a role in the team. Mm. And so therefore your skills it doesn't it doesn't really matter about success, it's about you being part of the team and contributing. And the one of the other things that was really resounding about his um coaching was being prepared, things like um, and so it was all about discipline, like um cleaning your boots and having all your gear packed the night before a game. And as one of the ladies just touched on then, Commitment to uh, getting up at six o'clock in the morning to do a pre-season before the first Mm. game. We all hated pre-season, that was for sure. (laughs) But unless you want to be chasing tail all the times, you've got to um, dig in and do that preparation so that you can perform at your best.
2: I just, you've reminded me of not getting your uniform clean or cleaning your boots or whatever it is we've all been in that situation where you open up your sports bag and you realize it's all stinky and sweaty and muddy from the week before and there's been a time or two I'm not proud of it to say well you know what I've got no choice i got to wear this stinking uniform because there's an hour before we play this, it says, my memory of sport at school was standing in a line with all the other girls and then people would have to choose teams. I was always one of the girls chosen. It was humiliating. I don't have very many happy memories of sport at school. Best wishes that's from Judith. And that's something that needs to change as well. So was there a coach that you had growing up that you remember and what was it about them that made them a good coach? And if you've just recently put your hand up now to be a coach... Where do you feel like you need help?
1: On the ABC Listen app, your smart
2: speaker, and on AM radio.
1: This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
2: Good morning, Rochelle Hunt here with you. Sarah Lowe, the CEO of Softball Australia and Lauren Borden from ABC Sport with you as well as we talk about who's putting their hand up to be a kids coach of their local grassroots community sport and who was that coach that you had growing up that you remember that for some reason had an impact on you. This text, maybe would get more women into coaching by getting more men doing unpaid household labour time. Who of us has the time? I'm going to pull that apart. Cameron Trudell is the coaching and officiating director of the Australian Sports Commission. Cameron, a warm welcome back to the Conversation Hour. Before we get into this incredible mini course uh, that you've put together that people can access and they can uh, read and they can pass on to people who are coaches in their lives is and I dare say you knew we were going to ask you this but is there a coach that you can remember growing up
6: yeah the, the, there's actually quite a few and and I I remember a lot of them not all positively um, but but that they all contributed and uh, a lot of people doing their best but there, there is one particular coach that I that I remember that I I, I think really gave me the love for playing rugby union um, and it was through the way that they engaged everyone in in the team, and I was able to play with my mates who weren 't as as let 's say skillful mm-hmm. um, but the way that they they created that bonding, it was like I was able to turn up in a safe environment with my friends um, and play and and it was safe to explore, so I do Mr. Forster, I still remember him. <laughs> Uh, and at uh, at Jeeps in, in Brisbane. I love that. Anthony's in Belgrave. Good morning, Anthony. G'day,
0: how are you doing?
6: Really good. What did you want to say?
0: Um, oh, just about the coaching and, and one particular coach that I had playing junior football that really stood out um, was a guy by Noel Hardwick. His approach was to kind of really build player self-esteem so that each player would feel good about their performance and mm. then at, as a collective you, you played brilliant team footy. And he was very successful. And so was his son.
2: I love that. And do you know what? I love that all of us remember their names, first name, <laughs> last name as well. Anthony, how do you build self-esteem? And our caller previously said that everybody plays a role. And that idea of not just focusing on your stars or on those who you know are going to help you get the win, so to speak. How do you involve everyone? How do you build self-esteem? What did he do that was so successful?
0: Well, it, well, what he did and what I do in my basketball coaching is speak to everyone individually after the game and highlight all the good things they did. It's not necessarily that they scored the goals or they kicked the, the winning point or whatever it might be. It's about those little contributing factors that all build to that team performance. And it's taking that defensive mark or a really great pass. And everyone does something good and you highlight those it's not always mm. the point you know the focus is always on the person that treats the goal or kicks the, the footy um through the big sticks and what about the guys in the back line that tirelessly worked hard to stop the other team you know and and i think that's the approach i take with basketball is everyone does something good and if you pump everyone's tires up <laughs> <you've got> to-
2: <laughs> i love that anthony thank you Cameron Trudell's self-esteem, yeah. where does that come into it? And that idea, as Anthony just said, I mean, I love that he talks to everyone after a game and has a chat to them about what they did that he thought was great.
6: Yeah, look, I think that's that's key and core and, and it's fundamental. And it's it's almost like the, the things that we didn't speak about before, which is really coming to the fore now, is is making people feel... And not just um, th- that sport's for them and they can turn up and play the sport, but they're actually valued and they're valued on their terms. So starting to understand who they are, what motivates them, uh, how they engage, how they interact. And, and again, it's a really good point of, of the fact that realistically, we're very good at focusing on what we did poorly without um, looking at all the things that we did well. And I think that that uh, plays a positive role. And if you can think about the ripple effects to self-esteem of turning up to a sport in the sporting environment, feeling good about yourself, contributing, and the impact that can have in other areas of your life, um, sports are really good um, a litmus test for, for how we can uh, behave externally.
4: Looking at those uh, modules as well and picking up on that, I really like the uh, particular module on reflection and I think you're you're talking about that. I think, you know, we can turn up to coaching and it's important to have a really good philosophy as a coach to make those safe and welcoming environments. But I think what you're talking about there is that reflection at the end, Mm. you know, how you've made that impact, how you can improve. Because we all know,
2: like, if you've done something wrong, right, Cam, as an individual, you're going to know and you're going to focus on that and you're going to feel pretty terrible about that as well.
6: Yeah, 100% is that you, 99 times out of 100, you'd say, I already know I've done something that was not quite right. I I don't need to have it reiterated. We can point it out. We can talk about it. We can talk about how can I be better. But let's recognize those other things. And I'm I'm also glad you're right. You pick up that self-reflection piece. We're talking before about how, if you listen to, you know, all of the stories we've heard this morning, the unique thing about them is they're all unique. Uh, is that they're all individualized and each one's got a different um, story or a different focus. So being a coach, rather than having one philosophy that fits your beliefs and then trying to impart that on others and wondering why it's not sticking, Mm -hmm. having that reflection piece, understanding your participants, what they require and what they need, it actually helps you with your coaching and coaching becomes easier when you start to understand who the people in front of you are what their drivers are what motivates them and how can i make them feel good about this experience because they want to turn up the next week they want to be there i love that that's one of the modules
2: Alison's in gladstone park good morning
7: good morning what a great topic um my son is eight now and he was four when covid hit and he fell apart emotionally um and things I did was start putting him into sports. I'm a bit like you, Rochelle. I always hated sport. I don't have any good memories of sport whatsoever, but he's been surrounded by so many good people. I just can't recommend it enough for what an impact it's made on his life and the role modeling, especially with men that he's had of how to be a good man, how to be tough, but how to be good and what it actually means to be strong and all these different things. Um, and one of his coaches is only 18, Ah. but so gentle, so kind, you know, and if I ring in different sports, if I say to them, look, we're not having a good day today, they just put their arm around him. When he's scared, they'll encourage him to come back and play and he's just thriving
2: I just cannot I'm so glad to hear that Alison and you've touched on so many things that we want to go into Sarah I know you want to speak about the impact of COVID we'll go into that a little later but I want to get the reflections from you Lauren and from yourself Cameron as well because as Alison just said then one of his coaches is only 18 when we talk about who we encourage to throw their hand up and to coach or even to umpire Teenagers play a really, really big role here and quite often they're not treated by the parents most of the time with the respect and the dignity that they deserve, but teenagers play a big part of this.
5: it's such a tough gig to go into coaching or umpiring and to do it at 18 whether they do it because they're a part of the club and they get encouraged you know we need some coaches for those younger grades and I always think though it was so good seeing those players who are playing in your club but five six years above you and they come and coach you because you think they're so much more experienced than you and they have so much to offer but they're also on your level a little bit more than a maybe a coach that's a bit older but it's so hard to do it not just because of life things going in the way you know they have university going on and other commitments like that but pressure coming from the parents and also trying to get support from the parents when maybe they're here they've dropped their kid off at training they got a million things on but you're trying to wrangle 10 20 kids as an 18 year old that's pretty tough to do so something like this framework might be one to help those younger coaches is that something that you've thought about
2: Cameron when we talk about who throws your hand up to coach quite often we think about it as a parent but there i like there's two young women that I can think of in my daughter's basketball league they're both in their school uniform they literally race from school to get there they coach together as a duo so you've got probably two 17 year old girls teaching 10 year old girls it is a thing of beauty <laughs> to watch I, just, I swear like i get teary even thinking about it we need to encourage and we need to respect teenagers more when it comes to coaching, I think, Cameron.
6: I, I 100% agree with you, and that that has been one of the focus areas uh, for us. And in fact, there's a statistic that comes out of the OzPlay data that tells us, and I can't remember the exact age groups, but I think it's um, 14 to 18-year-olds um, in the officiating space are actually the dominant age group of um officials where there's more officials of that age group than there is of uh, adults which is which is remarkable is that they're more likely to be sorry they're more likely to be officials than they are to be coaches um and so for me that's a that's a really uh strong indication that there's a desire and maybe it could mm-hmm. be that their motivation is is that they might get a little bit of pocket money or, or whatever but whatever that is we need to make that stronger the other point is is that. If you can imagine how confronting it must have been for, or still is for, teenagers to walk into a room of, oh, yeah. of people who are highly experienced in a sport, who are speaking. I'm, you know, I'm in my fifties and I know I don't understand the language of, of some of the teenagers these days, and they walk into a room <laughs> where we've got this this demographic that's that works differently. Yet we try and impose our way of speaking, whereas realistically who better to speak to um, younger people than younger people yeah. themselves where they can relate? And I love the, the thought of the hero being the person who's five years above above them, who's coming back to lean in because there is that that connection to club and people. So it's definitely a focus of, of what we're um, about and our resources are made to really encourage different people um, to, to also be included. That's not too... Discard the, the existing amazing people that we've already got.
2: I feel like teens are kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, you know. Yeah. Like, and I was, I overheard, I was eavesdropping a conversation as <laughs> I do at the local swimming pool the other week, the indoor swimming pool. And the woman who runs, she runs a tight ship, right? At this swimming pool, you would not want to mess with this woman. She's incredible. And she was talking to her mum and she said, Oh, your daughter or son, I can't remember, they've just turned 15, haven't they? Have they ever thought about becoming a swimming teacher? It's a great job, it's part-time, it's school-friendly hours, it's fit and healthy. And so then I kind of looked around the pool and I saw that so many of the swimming instructors would have been under the age of 18. And I thought, what a great environment mm. and what a great thing for a young person to be doing. And it teaches them so many things as well as a little bit of pocket money. Let's have a chat to Dale He's in
8: Baronia. Hi, Dale. Hello. Hi. Um, I know I had a really, really positive experience with a football coach when I was about 13. And I'm in, well, 40 years later now. And I think about him at least once a week. Oh, wow. And it's not it's not popular now. And I understand that. But it was just good for me personally. And I got hit in the head. I accidentally hit in the head. Went to the went to ground. Uh, runner came out, did the how many fingers thing and all that and I I was a bit dazed for a while. I know it's not okay now Mm. but for me personally um, at the next break in play he he got really stern with me and said things like you know, he was an old guy um, you get up, you you get on your feet, you go get the ball, you help your mates, all that stuff. Really inappropriate now. But for me personally, in when life is hard, um, I I refer to him saying that all the time, and I hope he'd be long gone now. If there's an afterlife, I hope I meet him and, and get a chance <laughs> to say to him what he did for me.
2: Well, it's funny that in a sporting sense you wouldn't want that to be said now, but the fact that he's helping you in your everyday life, Sarah Lowe have you seen like what dale just said then you would have seen what you can and can't say and how you can and can't coach that changed dramatically because as a
4: society we know what is pc
2: what is pc (laughs) what is kosher what is
4: appropriate now more than ever before um absolutely and you know we i still see this in in sport whether it was football softball or any other sport and you know the the coach is such a powerful influence on your life, especially when when you love sport. It really gives you that um, self of belief, and uh, and and you're being encouraged by these coaches. So what they say, I mean, listen to everyone. I, I said before to Lauren, I, the way your face lit up when you spoke about your coach, mm. the things that you know, Pete, your coaches say, you remember. And, is that, and that part it's of the, the reason why you made sport your life, Lauren?
5: It probably is part of it. When you dedicate a lot of time to your weekends, to playing sport, but from such a love of it coming, not just from winning, but from probably the the teammates that you had, the respect you had from for your teammates, it was more than just being friends or just kind of playing a t- you know, a team sport together. There was a real bond that we shared. Mm. um, And I think that's probably one of those, yeah, moments. And it was also something that you shared with your family as well. So you look at all these dads that are coaching, it's a way that they can be involved in their kid's life because so many people who play sport, mum and dad are out there and they're trying to be involved. They're coming to three-quarter time huddle. So it's a way for them to then be involved in their kid's life. In You know, something may not want them at
2: the (laughs) three-quarter
5: huddle, by the way, just saying. Emily's in McRae. Emily, stay with us because
2: I wanted to go back to you just quickly Cameron Trudell is the coaching and officiating director of the Australian Sports Commission but yourself uh, Kieran Perkins who of course is the is the CEO there at the moment and we played a little bit of what Kieran said on this program late last year I have to say hand on heart how encouraging and how exciting it is to have people at the top recognize the importance of of grassroots and community sport. And without that working well, you could almost forget about elite, right? Because the people that are coming through, you need to start at the bottom. So first things, congratulations that you're putting all of this work and effort into it. But do we take grassroots and community sport serious enough, do you think, like the importance of it? Do we understand that fundamentally, it's what does make our elite
6: elite? Yeah, it's... Look, first of all, thanks very much, uh, and thanks for recognising it because there is a lot of work going into this, and there's authenticity um, within across the entire organisation uh, of really focusing on on both elite as well as um, community, and um, with the play well and win well strategies that that have been pulled together, it, it's a really cohesive model. That really, yes, that they don't need to be integrated, but they certainly need to be aligned mm. with regards to how we service. As far as are we taking it seriously? Yeah, I would say so. In in the fact that we've recognised that not everyone plays sport to win, not everybody is um, aspirational. Um, yet the benefits to sport. Are so broad for for our, our broader community for for um, everyone in our community and it plays such an important role not just in the physical and and mental uh, health and well-being but also in community cohesion in in how we can integrate people at at our sporting clubs to one um, not just connect and 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 socialize but how we can learn and grow mm. with modern Australian society, and yeah. and it has moved so far over the years. So, yeah, it's definitely a key focus. Emily, good
2: morning.
9: Good morning.
6: What did you want to say?
9: Um, well, look, my daughter is uh, has just joined an under-16 soccer team, and um, they train an hour and a half on a Tuesday, an hour and a half on a Thursday, and this is prior to them beginning their first games in April. Um, the coach is absolutely amazing. He puts in so much effort. He's always there early. He's incredibly inspirational to the girls. Getting 18, 16-year-old girls all to listen is remarkable just in itself. Um, And the other thing is is that there's actually about four girls on the team that are on the spectrum. And this is their Mm, safe space. School's not the safest space for them, but this is their safe space.
2: Yeah, I love that. I love that. I've had that same experience as well. Emily, good to hear from you. This, my 16-year-old granddaughter has been coaching under-11s netball for the past three years. Then she umpires the under-13 games, plays under-17, and then umpires an open game every week, summer and winter. And another that says, my son did junior coaching under-12s cricket. As a 17-year-old, he found coaching in the basics Actually, improved his own game because he was forgetting good technique. That's from Brian. His call from Mornington. Sam's in Melbourne. Morning, Sam.
9: Yeah, hi there. Um, look, I would just like to um, share. My fourteen-year-old daughter plays um, under-18 domestic basketball, and she also so coaches an under-16 girls basketball team. She's previously coached an under-10 boys team with another friend who was also fourteen at the time. So 14-year-old girls, the only uh, training available, though, to them was a coaching session which they attended and then sort of skedaddled from immediately because the only other participants were adults, uh, adult coaches, so parent coaches who were coaching rep basketball. So, you know, whilst they had attended, it just wasn't appropriate for them. They just sort of left left the session straight away. So I'd love to see more support for teenage coaches in terms of training and also being able to touch base with them, just making sure they're okay. And also just more generally support from parents. And what I mean there is parents of children who are playing um, and that can be competitors and also parent coaches because I don't see consistent respect for teenage oh, coaches. I couldn't
2: agree more, All
9: teenage yeah. reps. They don't get paid very much. They're getting work experience. It's an amazing growth experience for them, great growth opportunity when they're too young to get paid for part-time work. I'd love to see more more strategies there supporting them.
2: Really well said, Sam. Thank you. And I love this growing number of young girls coaching together. Cameron, can I put Sam's points back to you? I mean, I guess this is why you're releasing these modules and we'll give all Mm. the details at the end of the program about how people can download them. But Sam raised some great points.
6: Oh, absolutely, and and I really like the one with regards to how we um, how we provide respect for these people who, without them, and I mean, there's some amazing stories that we're hearing today. And and Sam's, I mean, just the the willingness of these people to turn up that that experience with the the teenagers um, walking into an adult environment that is confronting, uh, and that's something that we that we need to address, and that we're we're looking to support. But also that one with regards to poor behaviour. It's interesting, isn't it? The we see it and and we're all against it. But where we're trying to uh, be a little bit uh, better with is starting with these resources on what role can you play? Not just the um, that's poor behaviour. We recognise it and then we you know go to the car and we shake our heads at it. It's about what can we do collectively to create these really positive environments so that everyone can thrive. And it's a great experience for not just the participants, but the coaches and the officials as well. So we're working on broader pieces and that's included in the Playwell strategy um, at the Australian Sports Commission.
2: And people can get a hold of that. It's a new series. It's been released. There are all different modules to help you, whether you're a participant, you're a coach or you're a parent, to be able to look at how you can develop a safe and encouraging environment. And that's a part of the Australian Sports Commission. You can go to their website. Cameron Trudell is with you. He's the Coaching and Officiating Director of the Australian Sports Commission. And Lauren Borden is with you as well from ABC Sport and Sarah Lowe, the CEO of Softball Australia. As we talk, how can we respect, how can we grow numbers, of coaches and how can we do it a little bit better
1: on the abc listen app your smart speaker and on am radio this is the conversation hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
2: As we talk about what makes a great coach and was there a coach that you had growing up that you remember? What made them motivate you? Lauren, it's almost impossible to keep up with some of the texts on this as we either reflect back on our own teen years or looking at maybe our grandkids or kids' experience.
5: Absolutely. A lot of great texts coming through. We've got one uh, about going back to school and our PE teachers that we had. So Chris from Preston said, my kids had a fantastic PE teacher. Miss Benici. While they weren't particularly athletic, she connected and encouraged each kid. They speak of her with great respect and fondness and we're also absolutely delighted to see her on TV rescuing a kangaroo <laughs> because she also rescued wildlife. But one of those great memories there that this has transcended the kids, this has gone to the parents and got them excited when they've seen her on TV as well. And another one about I guess the environment that coaches are walking into from Renee. She said, my husband is just about to start coaching footy this year. The footy and the kids aren't worrying him. It's all the associated administration as well as the parents. So a couple of other barriers there that might be holding a few people back from coaching.
2: Those barriers, and there's quite a few here, Sarah Lowe, that talk about all of the paperwork that's involved. In the past when we've discussed this, it's been a bit of a a bugbear. But look, we need the checks and balances, right? Because fundamentally we need
4: to keep children safe. But is there too much paperwork? there is a little bit i'm sure cameron will have a lot to say about this because i know he's in the modules picks up on safeguarding and you know safeguarding is at is at the forefront of all osport and all the sports in in the country so there is a there's a fair bit of compliance there but um, hopefully the the coaches don't generally do that it's the team managers or the 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 clubs so i'm looking at you you're Oh, i'm just thinking
2: <laughs> the poor team managers right we talked Who about that actually before, didn't we? that's the short
4: straw <laughs> yeah, it, I it reckon. is but, but we want to keep those team managers there. <laughs> of course we do because <laughs> without them we're stuffed. But, yeah, look, it's um, the, the, the compliance and the paperwork. I mean, coaches, they have to get very organised. And, again, this is why I'm loving the resources from the um, Australian Sports Commission with these coaching courses because the ability to have those resources at hand... Mm. You know, and I know they've got a lot of templates. Cameron, I was looking at a lot of your templates. I'm sure you'd just really? hop in at any time here. You know, Wonderful <laughs> templates, wonderful resources. Mm. Uh, and it's it, you have to be very organised as a coach. And you've made it simple,
2: Cam. They're digestible and they're easy. You can sort of click on the module. How important is it just to make it simple and easy for people? Because I've almost lost track of the text that's saying, where do we have the time for this? So we've got to work into the reality of
6: people's lives. It, look, that's key and core is that um, we, we want to make them so that they are, um, we call them snackable um, <laughs> um, modules. Uh, and we've learned, look, we've got, um, we've got other uh, longer modules and so on that, that we're sort of getting the feedback, this exact same feedback. So we're acting upon the feedback that we're, we're receiving from people to make it more accessible and, and easier. There's, there's also a piece here too, you talk about the paperwork and the logistics. A lot of the time, the coach is actually um, the last person to know that they're the coach uh, in the whole system (laughs) or in the whole thing. What happens is um, a team is built, uh, so you've got your team and now we say, now we need a coach and it's the last person to step backwards when they ask someone to step (laughs) forward and they say, um, congratulations for being the coach this uh, year, by the way, now you need to do a coaching course and by the way, you start next week um, and you don't know anything. So that that sort of model um if we look at different ways that we can engage and i love the conversation today about how do we engage with teenagers and different people what if we had um a person who wants to be a coach that looks at it a year before and starts to do these little bits of learning while they're engaged in the sport environment to then hone their skills so next year they actually think i'm going to step forward before they ask the question Um, because I feel confident and I can do it, not just as myself, I can do it with two or three friends. Um, That bit I love. Mm. I I mean, it's probably been popular
2: for a while and it's only coming into sort of my zeitgeist now, but that idea of sharing the load, especially as a teen. Cameron, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here too, but if Mm. you're, say, 16, 17, you're starting to select your subjects as you go into um, your final years of secondary school, and if sport, you know, if health and fitness is on the top of your list, could some of this work, could some of training, you know, you're talking about thinking a year out, but the importance of, of coaching, and being in that managerial role. And we've made the connection already with PE teachers. Mm. Is there a role for the school here, for the education department?
6: Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, there's, there's quite a large percentage of um, the people who have done the essential skills course are from schools um, that go in and do it. And I think there's a real... If you think about what you can learn um, at school during, um, you know, maybe potentially your PE or your sports sessions at school and how that can transfer to the community um, and even making your local clubs know that you're interested in coaching and that you've done some courses and that that you, you want to engage in coaching, I think there's a way that we can sort of shift who's coaching, who's available and what that quality of experience looks like.
5: Would you ever put your hand up to coach, Lauren? I did when I was younger, actually, so I I tried to do the whole, you know, part of the club or coach an under-12s netball team and then had to move away for work. But I thought the most difficult thing was dealing, like people have mentioned, with a bunch of 10-year-old girls, and I just found it so hard to manage as a younger person. I didn't know how to do it. My husband
2: called it herding cats to begin with.
5: Because you get too silent and then the other six start talking, (laughs) and you don't know how to do it. And I mean, it's nice to see some of these texts coming through where they're saying my kids have developed all these skills, because if you can explain a simple concept at that age, it's probably going to help you through life. But I would probably have needed some training just to get to that point where I could. The trick is, how do you have all of these
2: skills that we're talking about, right? We're probably turning some people off because we're saying okay it's a huge responsibility and it's quite complex and you need to do all of this stuff and start a year out but as lots of people are saying sarah oh come on sports should be fun so yeah. on top of it right <laughs> you, you gotta make it fun
4: right this is sounding hard it, it, it does sound hard but i think again i mean i i coached my uh local women's masters and i coached at the state level of uh, of afl women's masters in the last few years and you know women have come a fair back from from football and when you're coaching Women who are thirty-five plus to fifty who have never played before, it is like hurting those cats. And but you're also trying yes, to teach them that you didn't realise hurt. You know, <laughs> it's just a little bit hard to move and <laughs> jump around nowadays. And uh, you know, but I, I just remember, like even in my time during this whole time I played sport, that I love the coaching element. You know, the ability to pass on that that insight, your skill, your knowledge. Um, and, you know, it is fun. Sport is great. And just to watch those women play for the first time and learn at that age is amazing. And I'm sure that's exactly what it feels like mm. at junior level. And to watch them progress as well, if you can stay with them
2: for longer than one season. Cosie's in Mildura. Good morning. G'day. Good morning. How are you? Really well. What did you want to say?
1: Um, I'm just reminiscing, as you guys have been cutting this morning, just how much of a rewarding experience it has been with my involvement probably over the last uh, 20 to 25 years coaching probably all through the ranks from auskick right through to uh senior involvement and it's just for me um such a positive experience i think uh well i'd like to think that i've got uh, as much out of it as hopefully the kids have
2: what did you get um, out of it so what, think, when you say it was rewarding in what way
1: um just seeing how the kids have progressed and uh, the majority of them are very thankful for you being part of their their footy journey. Um, I still get a kick out of you know seeing kids that you know up the street that maybe I hadn't seen them for a little while, but they remember uh, you know when I coached them, and they come and have a chat and just let me know what they're up to. And yeah, that's that's just uh, yeah it keeps you young at heart. Love and it. and do you still do it? Had, uh, yeah, a couple of the boys that I've coached have put their hands up now to coach some of the junior teams which oh. is uh, just brilliant
2: and you don't coach anymore
1: um i've tried to step away um yeah it's uh, i sort of still have a little bit of involvement sort of with training but um i try not to have the lead role if uh you want to call it that so see that's an interesting thing
2: too cosy is knowing when to become the mentor and to pass that baton on cameron is that a part of the modules because i actually hadn't really thought about that cosy that's incredible so at what point do you go okay i think my coaching time is done but there's a player here i've been watching or maybe it's been my assistant coach or whatever it is and it's time for he or she to take over
6: yeah, it's it's absolutely part of the uh, the model is that we've got this. We know that there's a life, you know, a life cycle, and w- what we don't want to do is just have people coach until they burn out and then just leave and and don't do it and they happen to be the ones who step up all the time. How can we provide roles and responsibilities? And we're working with a lot of sports in this country on how do we identify the people who have got such amazing local IP um, that that know how to do things so new coaches don't fall down old traps. Um, So how do we empower those people to then... Provide some contextual relevance to the sporting environment so that, that others can learn from them um, and and provide some support, a go-to, someone who they can chat to. And it may not be a week-by-week uh, engagement. It might be once every three months they come down and, and check in with people. And we've got resources that are uh, they've started to drop, but they'll, uh, more of those will come out as this year progresses to really support that role and that function as well because we don't want to lose those people.
2: That's great because there's a text here that says for netball I had to sign up to a UK coaching drill for example I had to watch yeah, lots right. of YouTube the biggest hurdle I had was the club ethos, not setting expectations of attendance attitude, having some coaching structures in place so you could just see and use resources Is a fine line between trying to please and I just want to be with my friends rather than I want to play netball. Yeah. The idea that people have to go to overseas modules is that something you're trying to get rid
6: of yeah exactly right is is the fact that we want we want to ensure that well first of all we're quite unique in this country we've got quite um uh, a, a unique relationship with sport so having the Australian methods or ways that we coach and engage and 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 present sport is key so Having a local identity of sport um, is is extremely important to us. And that's not to say discard what we've got uh, overseas. Of course, we look at what's happening and we learn and we pick up, um, you know, great ideas and so on. But it's really important to have localised information that, again, we can apply Um, at our own sporting environments. It's so critical to us. There's lots of different sports that are coming up, which
2: I think, oh, we can drill down into that for a whole hour on its own. (laughs) One here that says, little Aths is a perfect example of kids becoming coaches. My son is now a teen coach. It's a great club support and coaching clinics. Nothing is more rewarding than other parents telling me how good he (laughs) is at coaching. That's from Carla, who's in Collingwood. And another from Randall, who's in Castlemaine. It says, my daughter actually become a champion fencer she started out as a 10 year old trained with Olympic fencers as coaches fencing is the best sport for girls physically and mentally as well here on the conversation hour Rochelle Hunt Sarah Lowe Laura Borden and Cameron Trudell with you as we talk about what makes being a great
1: kids coach on the ABC listen app your smart speaker
2: and on AM radio
1: this is the conversation hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
2: I've loved some of the ideas and some of the local stories that come out around coaching, in particular, young people. Lauren, that idea of taking what we talk about, right, and sometimes it's all big ideas, but then putting it in to actuality and making it really help us with our day-to-day life.
5: It is, and it's amazing to hear The fond memories that everyone has of those coaches that they had 30 40 years ago and how much it's sat with them so i guess i want to pose a question to you cameron more about you know having these positive influences when you're young how much is that leading to you know not just gold medals but uh, seeing these athletes now go on and represent at a higher level how much does it impact having a coach who you know knows how to manage their players at a younger level
6: Uh, it's it's critical again it, it, that's a key component and and i remember speaking to uh, claire ferguson who was uh, one of our uh, greatest diamonds and she led australia to the constellation cup i think it was in 2016 uh where she speaks about uh when we talked to her about what motivated her to play and she immediately goes to her high school uh, netball coach and she talks about The people in her team who just so happened years later to be her bridesmaids (laughs) and the impact that they made in her life and the way that this coach was able to um, support her. Um, A lot of the high performance people speak of that relationship and the interpersonal uh, relationships that were key. And there's some studies and work uh, done by Lauren Burns, our our gold medalist from the 2000 Olympics. in taekwondo she's done some research on what are those key drivers that all or all, you know a large majority of our successful olympians have and the relationships the interpersonal relationships through their careers is a key component to realizing success so it does have a massive mm. impact on the longitudinal journey of a performance athlete as well as the lives of people who are playing sport and, you know, like the majority of us who are mere mortals, um, it, they're just part of our lives. One thing
2: that we haven't touched on, and there's quite a lot of text talking about you're growing up in regional and rural areas, and as someone that grew up in the country the connection you have with your coach, if it's a good one, especially if you don't have that connection at school or maybe you're a bit ostracised at school or you don't get along with your teacher very well. And there's not much else to do, right, because you're in the country. So if you have that connection with sport and coach, they sort of, Sarah, become your mentor and you want to do well. You want to do well for yourself, but you also want to do well for them. And it just gives you... This level of guidance that maybe you're missing in other parts of your life.
4: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The the, the mentoring role that uh, you know any I suppose adult or coach or parent or, or guardian plays is is so important. And I just I, I know you you come from regional Vic, and I've spent a lot of time in regional Victoria, and it sport is a religion there as you just said that I just love Saturdays and Sundays sport in, in those regional communities it means so much to them and the whole community gathering together and you know it's um, sport has impacted me and it impacts so many people mm-hmm. in this in this country so yeah I had coaches. a bit of an emotional
2: reaction when I was in Maui not too long ago and I drove up the back of Mowi to and went past the old outdoor netball courts where there's about a dozen of them and they were shut down they're going to rack and ruin I was like And my girlfriend's like, oh, no, they all play indoors now. I'm like, come on, man, (laughs) you've got to play outside on the asphalt. Just finally, Cameron Trudell, how can people access these modules? There'll be lots of people listening now. They're going to want to get their hands on these resources. And we know that you and your team there are constantly updating them. But what's the best way of them
6: being able to utilise this? Yeah, fantastic, Rochelle. If you go to the Australian Sports Commission um, website, uh, there's a community coaching tab where you um, t- tap on that and then you go down to education and the education then has the modules uh, attached to it and that'll take you into the Australian Sport Learning Centre which is a, an amazing um, resource bank for us where all of our courses and, and so on are housed. So it's a, it's a pretty simple process to go in there and The Essential Skills is uh, our first course and the modules we're talking about today are our masterclasses, which are um, individualised modules. And really excitingly, this time uh, next month, we'll be releasing our um, Essential Skills of Officiating, which go hand in glove with um, the Essential Skills of of Coaching so that we can start to drag these two together and have some um, commonality between the uh, or agreement on what is the environment we're collectively trying to create.
2: Congratulations, Cam. It's it's really, it's great. And there's, it, there's just such a big call for us. It. So it's aussport.gov.au. Okay. Cameron Trudell, as always, mate, I, we thank you and no doubt we'll be speaking in about a month's time, if not sooner.
6: <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so much See for you. Thank you.
2: Cameron Trudell, coaching and officiating director of the Australian Sports Commission. Sarah Lowe, the CEO of Softball Australia. Happy birthday and as always, thank you so much. Lauren Borden, ABC Sport, you're a legend. Thank you. I'll be back with you on Monday. Take care. Speak soon.